it's it's one of those things where there it's it's right there in front of us right but sometimes it's hard to see the forest for the trees yeah. that sometimes we see the connection between what that person is doing every day but it's but that connection might not as be as obvious to someone else and so being able to just make that connection around here's here's how here's how the work that you do every day impacts the business and here's why it's important and here's here's what success looks like for you. What do you think success looks like? What's important for you to feel like you've been, um, you've had meaningful work? Um, and all of those types of questions and dialogues, they take very little time, as long as you're willing to listen for a little bit. And they're the things that are going to keep people with you. Starting or growing your business is hard work. But now you are listening to the Better Business Podcast with me, Steve Cook, and I'm going to try and make it a little easier on you. We on this podcast help you grow a better business with real advice from professionals, and today is no different. People Spark, which is Kristen and Aaron's company, was founded in 2018. They got tired of seeing HR processes end up as a process for the sake of it. They created a business centered around bringing simple, practical tools and practices to small and mid-sized businesses across the country, primarily in the agriculture and food manufacturing. Now, they're mostly unemployable at large organizations, but they're <laughs> having too much fun bringing their energy, coaching, training, and passion for developing leaders to their customers here in the United States. Their team is now made up of four people who sit in various parts of the U.S. today. All right. Now, tell me in layman's terms what you guys do. Aaron, do you want to take that one? Sure. So we are HR consultants that work with businesses that may or may not have HR within their businesses today. And in a lot of cases too, those businesses might have somebody else responsible for their human resources, like their bookkeeper or their accountant or someone in customer service. And so we don't look just at kind of what's going to keep you from getting sued. We want to understand where your <laughs> business is trying to go um, and then figure out how best can we move you from point A to point B? Because not everything is applicable for every business. And so we're trying to find out the best and cl cleanest way to get you there, um, which involves process. And it also involves skill building a lot of times too. So well, and Steve, ahead, you, you laughed as Aaron said that about not getting sued, which we do too, right? Like that's <laughs> compliance is a really important thing. But when people hear that we're human resources consultants, typically the first thing people say is, oh, I need to update my handbook. Okay, or, or, so is that why most people initially reach out to you guys? It's one of the things that come to their radar because that's what they're most concerned about. And They had and a scare in something or another. Right, and this isn't to minimize the importance of that. Where, where Aaron and I really like to focus is where is it that your business wants to go? We know that your people will be the, will be the resources that get you there. So how do you get your people to all work together for the success of your business. And it is, it does include process, it does include skill building. But what we find with so many small to mid-sized businesses is they think about it solely about process. So then they'll go out and say like, oh, I need an application form. I'm gonna pull one from online. Oh, I need a performance review form. So I'll use what I used at my last employer. And it's so focused on process that we lose the power behind it and we really, so we focus on simple, practical, what will get you from point A to point B. It's fun right. stuff. So the main help I think is of this podcast is to help people that are small, you know, to medium sized businesses, like you guys had kind of mentioned in your, um, or I mentioned for you in your introduction. Um, so in that vein, I want to talk about today, just kind of how, how do you get to begin with, let's let's walk through the process of getting an employee. Mm. So first, you have to obviously find someone. You have to get to that point, and we kind of talked about that on a on a previous episode of of knowing when you need to hire somebody. So maybe not all the way back at that point, but I in our business, 
and I am not a complainer. I'm like, that's part of the job. You know, that's, that's what you signed up for is, is hiring people if you want to run your own business. But I am not exaggerating. I feel like it is one of the hardest times ever to find a employee right now. Um, how do you maybe recruit people? Aaron, you kind of talked about this and um, the kind of pre questions that recruiting backwards by focusing on a certain thing. How do you how do you recruit somebody, someone from the, the very beginning? Yeah. So a lot of times, and this is even where I was going with thinking about recruiting a little bit backwards is a lot of times we just see the need. I need, I, I need these jobs done. I need these tasks completed. So I need to hire somebody for that. And where I think a lot of business owners and especially some small business owners could get a lot more leverage is looking at the team members that you have today. Maybe it's all of one person or it's components of different people that you want to duplicate. And what are the characteristics that you want to clone from those people and try to find and get really clear on what it is that they're doing? What are the behaviors that they're doing? Yes, we know that we'll get the tasks and kind of the really black and white job description part. But for those people who are really showing up every day, what is it that they're doing because that really can feed into the recruiting marketing that you have when when you're giving so one that you're recognizing those employees for those behaviors and we talk about some some easy practical ways that you can do that um, so that those employees know how valuable they are and so that you're keeping them because that tends to be a trap that a lot of business owners fall in is that you focus so much on that gap that you have that we forget about all of the good people who are keeping your business alive right now that and we sometimes want to continue to nurture. Yeah, you know, they're the, picking up so the much current slack. employees are strained when you're shorthanded or whatever, which is a big yeah. fear as well. Yeah. So and let me ask you do, this, are, do you, are you even saying like, let's say, let's say you're a four man, you know, shop, it's you, the business owner, and then three other people. And you know that you need to hire somebody else. You're shorthanded, you're a restaurant or you're, you know, just a, a, a typical business. Do you say that it doesn't even matter what the person is going to do? Like just find a good person that you want to work with even, or what do you, what do you think? Mm -hmm. I think it depends on, on the specialty of your role, right? Because there's going to be some roles where you're going to need some specialized skills, but really dig into the behaviors and those characteristics of those of those people who are your go-tos right now, because those are the things that we can we can better communicate in our job postings. We can better communicate in our phone screens and in our interviews to make sure that we're getting an understanding from those candidates if they've had those experiences in the past to begin with. Um, and there's also opportunity too with those other three employees of yours that you have of letting them know what you appreciate about them and why and why it such, has such a big impact on your business and helping make them a part of the process. Because I think sometimes we feel like we have to make all of the decisions ourselves as the business leader and it's difficult to hand over some of that input to others. Um, but boy, can you build a, an amazing team in, in bringing them along with you. In the book, um, um, I don't know if you've read it or not, but Good to Great, um, mm -hmm. he he talks about getting the right people on the bus um, and how some of the best companies that ha have grown the fastest in the past, um, and these are, you know, obviously Fortune 500. I mean, these are very large companies, but he talks about how they sometimes hired people and they weren't even sure what they were going to do at one point, you know, or at some point, yeah. you know, they just knew that this is the type of person we are looking for, whether they're motivated or, you know, ambitious or whatever um, your business model is. Um, and so I think that that kind of goes along with what you're saying um, with that. Kristen, do you have a, I guess, super practically, do you have a, um, a go-to or a recommendation as far as the way to hire somebody? Is it word of mouth? Is it through, um, you know, Facebook, Indeed, Zip Recruiter? I mean, I don't know how many there is LinkedIn, you know, whatever it might be. Do you have a practical, you know, hey, we heard that high school, you know, sitting out in the parking lot of a high school passing out well, applications or whatever? Um, I, I have a couple of thoughts on that. One is, as Aaron said, who are those people that you want to clone? Where are they hanging out? Look at the people right. that you already have. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Right. Where are they hanging out? What are they? What are they doing? Right. Are do they tend to be drawn to specific groups of people? Um, 
we worked with a client for a while who was trying to find CDL drivers. Okay. Um, former farmers would have been a perfect resource. So where did they target it? It was the local diners in town because that's where the retired farmers were hanging out for breakfast, right? So who are the people that would do it well and where are they hanging out? I would say the next thing is um, thinking about how you differentiate yourself. Okay. Because we have, you know, as you walk around today, how many how many now hiring signs do you see as you're everywhere. walking everywhere it's insane everywhere multiple businesses have them permanently on the side of their buildings mm -hmm. yeah and yeah. yet they all look alike yeah so how do you differentiate yourself so that you don't so that you don't look like everybody else just like in marketing and you can speak to who you are um we have a client that was posting for a position and their personality and who they were as a business really came out in the job posting. And it, and to be quite honest, it made me laugh. And I thought if I were a candidate, if I were an applicant in this area, this is the company that I would want to work for. I've because seen some people do that home. on Facebook videos. Um, yeah. You know, they've made like, you know, very personal Facebook videos, like this is our kitchen, this is our whatever. And I think mm -hmm. that's a, that's a great, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so many of the signs are like, welcome to our, you know, fun team environment. And then you walk in and nobody was talking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that a lot of times when you differentiate yourself in the ads, you are showing who you really are. Like, don't just say you're fun, be fun. Sure. Um, there was one of my favorite job postings once was a company that was looking for an administrative assistant. And the title was, do you want to be our Alfred to Batman? <laughs> right? That one is going to stand out and not to say that it has to be funny or quirky, but what represents you that will stand out? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. Um, yeah. It's, it's counterintuitive to think that you're, you have to market to get people to work for you. You know, a lot of people have that mentality of, well, I'm paying them, you know, or whatever it might yes. be. And, and that's a hard thing to trick your mind or whatever you want to say, you know, um, to think of it a different way in that, it is work. You have to convince people at times. I think there's other times where we've had people beating our door down, trying to, trying mm -hmm. to work for us, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that, that t there are times where the roles reverse, but right now, especially is a time that you yeah. have to get after it. <laughs> um, well, and, and there's a great opportunity out there too, that is easy to overlook. So when you're thinking about those employees that, that you want to keep, that you want to clone, talking with them around what they love about the role, what they wish more people knew about it can really add to, so you don't have to go to find some big marketing agency to put together the copy for you. A lot sure. of times just having people describe it themselves can be really powerful. And another way to have a, a, a deeper conversation about just what they mean to the organization to help continue to retain them. So that way you're not losing, you're not putting all of that attention on the gap, but really focusing on, on what they love about it and how you can continue to build more of that. We, we have a client. This was a, it was a direct quote from an employee in a group meeting where we were there and, and they had very engaged employees. And the employee said, your worst day here will be better than your best day somewhere else. And the employee truly felt that way. And I was like, there is your marketing. <laughs> Who <laughs> you hear that from than an employee who actually says yeah. that your worst day here will be better than your best day anywhere else. I'll yeah. work there. Yeah, that's cool. Those yeah. are some good, I mean, those are some good things to work on. I do think that, you know, I've seen that, um, several different Facebook videos because you can then target it to people mm -hmm. that are looking for jobs and stuff like that. So exactly. I think that would be a great um, avenue. I should probably, I should probably get on that. Um, so let's talk about, let's say you get somebody, um, mm -hmm. you, you trick somebody into applying for you. And, um, <laughs> you know, one of the original, when we worked together um, a little while back, one of the original things I think we had kind of talked about was, I said, I don't even know what questions I'm legally allowed to ask in an interview, um, you know, and things like that. Let's talk about first, um, in your experience, and I know that this isn't like a legal advice or anything like that, but in your experience, do you, have you guys seen people get in trouble on, on questioning and stuff like that? Or is, or is that mostly, um, kind of a myth or something like, you know, or, or more, I guess, worked up than it, than it actually is in reality? 
I think that's a great question. And I, I I'd say I, I, there, the risk is definitely out there. Um, I, I've seen the risk probably be more visible in larger organizations. Um, that isn't to say that it isn't out there for smaller ones. I think the rule of thumb is that as long as you can keep your questions job related, Okay. and related to the values of your organization, that will keep you in safe territory where where businesses, where leaders tend to go fall down the slippery slope. It happens very subtly where it the question or a follow-up question in an interview takes a slight turn away from the job relatedness of, of that particular question or of what they're trying to draw out in the experience. And that's where the risk tends to emerge. Yeah. And I and I think as Aaron and I have talked about this a lot too that you may be asking with what you feel is a good intent and think about why you're asking the question. Uh, there was a, an individual that I worked with at one point who said I I want to ask if this person has daycare. Which is not a question that you want to ask. Um, because it's not job related in yeah. any way. So after I did that I said why do you want to know? Why do you care whether or not this person has daycare? And the response was, because this job requires somebody to be at work from 8 to 4.30 every day. And I need to know that they're going to be at work from 8 to 4.30 every day. And I said, there's your question. This job requires you to be here from 8 to 4.30 every day. What concerns do you have about your ability to meet that expectation? Because you, you really don't care whether or not they have daycare. You care about whether or not they're at work. They could not show up at eight o'clock because they because they sleep through their alarm, because they stay out too. I mean, there's so many reasons that somebody may not be there. Daycare could just be one, right? So ask the question that you want. And and that was a few years ago, but we still see that. We had somebody mm -hmm. else ask, Well, can I ask if they're married? No. <laughs> yeah. But it's why do you why do you care? Why do you want to know if they're married? Because this, this position requires somebody to work their work in events. So they're working from two in the afternoon to two in the morning, and they're not going to be home on weekends. There's your question. So if there is a question where you're like, ooh, does it feel job related? What is the job related reason you're asking? And ask that question. Yeah, that's a great point. After we had spoke um, and you had brought up these exact points, I, uh, I even looked through some of our, which first off the, the one thing too, is I think that you guys, you know, kind of recommended that I think is, a, is a, a very good practice after we had talked about it is to ask the same questions to all the candidates. Um, we had yes. never done that, not because we were too lazy to write them down or anything. I just never, never thought of it. And first off it, it helps you stay out of these things that you're talking about, <laughs> you know, oops, mm -hmm. I just asked if they, you know, go to church or whatever, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. um, so it keeps you out of those um, silly questions that you just didn't have anything prepared and, you know, just spouted something off. But it also, it puts all of the candidates to answer the same question. And then you can, mm -hmm. it, you know what I'm saying? So it kind of gives a level playing field. Yeah. Um, Isn't it amazing what you hear too? All of a sudden you're like, well, that was, that was a great, great example. And that was a really poor example. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. And, and, uh, one of them that we added on there that I was like, I want to know, we'll, we'll ask some people like, do you plan on going to school, you know, or whatever it might be, or we used to, you know, do you plan mm -hmm. on going to school if it was a younger person or, or whatever? And, and we would have people, yeah, I'm moving in three months or whatever. And you're like, are you serious? Like they don't even think about like, Hey, I probably don't want to hire you if you're going to be gone in three months. And so, but you know, to, for fear of staying away from, you know, personal questions or whatever it might be, we started asking people, what are your long-term career goals? Or, mm -hmm. you know, what do you, where do you see yourself in three to five years or whatever, which is to me was always just such a pointless generic question for a warehouse person or a cashier, you know, but mm -hmm. it, it, it was so enlightening how, you know, some people will either tell you like, oh, I move next month or I mean, <laughs> people will tell you right. stuff that you're like, you should have told me that. <laughs> so it's pretty incredible. Um, some of those questions when you reframe them, not only mm -hmm. does it keep you out of legal trouble, but I think it, it, it opens the door to things that you didn't even think to ask, where if you mm -hmm. asked if they were married, you would get yes or no. If you asked, you know, like you said, do you have a problem with working on the weekends? And they're like, oh, I always go do stuff on the weekends or whatever. You know, they don't even want to work on the weekends, even if they were married or not. Mm -hmm. so, yes. Yes. 
Um, so let's talk about um, as far as the interview goes. Mm-hmm. Say you have the list of questions, you have the legal, you know, um, knowledge. You're you're being careful on those questions, and you have, you know, how do you know when you when you want to hire somebody? How do you, is there, what if you have a weird feeling, but you don't know what it was? What if you have, what is, what is kind of a gut instinct or, or how do you do that? So keep asking the questions, get through some of your information. Sometimes it's easy to get, um, I used this term last week and I got laughed at, but whatever. Um, you get a rush crush on a candidate and you're like, (laughs) they're going to be wonderful. Cause their resume seems so perfect. Yeah. And then they're really personable. Yeah. And so, but get through the interview guide, stay on script. Um, And, and what I love with that too, is when you're using even behavioral based questions. So these are the cringe worthy sometimes tell me about a time when what you're trying to draw out is the actual experience somebody has had in, in that particular skill or situation before because when you ask questions from more of the hypothetical like what would you do or what should you do people know what they should do i know that there's several things i should do that doesn't mean that that's what i have done uh so we want to we want to get that information from there but i love using star um as my framework for listening to a candidate's interview answers and it's a framework that's that has been taught and I learned it years ago in prepping as a candidate for behavioral based interviews. And it stands for situation or task. So in this question, tell me about a time you had to work with someone you didn't like. What was the situation or task? What action did I take? And then what happened as a result? And so for me, as somebody who thinks out loud, Um, a lot and can talk in circles. It's a good way to keep me on task in an interview. But I love it on the side of the interviewer, because it keeps my follow up questions very, uh, very tight and very connected to the question that I actually want to know the information about. And the follow up questions are always the same. What was the situation or task? What was the action that you took? And what happened as, as a result? And wherever I don't have one of those areas, I go back and I, that's my follow-up question. Oh, so Steve, I heard this. So what actions did you take? What was the result of that? And so it gives you that framework for it. And I've been disappointed by candidates that I really wanted to hire. Um, When I, we applied that and when I've used that in framing up how they were answering those questions. And so the more you can do to your question of staying on task with what is the behavior, what is the experience I'm looking for, and making sure that you get all of the good stuff. Because sometimes people give you a really great answer. And then when you dig further, because you didn't get all the elements of STAR, you'll find out that they actually played a very minimal role on that team or in that experience. And it, it isn't as good as you thought. And talking about that rush crush, I've, I've legitimately caught myself. <laughs> so they have like a perfect resume. They have a whatever degree they worked in your industry for this many years, blah, blah, blah. I've literally caught myself like you were talking about, um, like framing up questions for them to just like slam dunk it. And they're like, not, and I'm like, Oh, please. You know, I'll be like, so tell me about, you know, when you, you know, why did you quit your last job? And they start trashing their boss or whatever. I'm like, but he was probably, you know, like, please don't do that. Cause that shows that, you you know, or whatever. (laughs) And so I've actually caught myself like cutting them off or whatever. Like, Oh, right. Right. right, I understand what you're saying. It's just me and them in the interview. I don't know why I do it, but it's just like, please don't say that, you know, or whatever. That is such good self-awareness though. Right. Where you're like, okay. (laughs) I so, I so much want them to succeed. I'm noticing that I'm doing this. Yeah. It's so sad, but I've caught myself doing that several times. Um, That means you're human. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's the hardest (laughs) thing to do in interviews is just be quiet. It's incredible what people tell you. Just hush. Mm -hmm. um, One of the other things that I, that I would say that we have seen even more now recently is the urge to hire somebody. It's like, because the labor market is so tight, our expectations have dropped. Yes. And which can make sense, right? We hear the 
somebody is better than nobody. So I'm going to bring people in. So people drop their expectations. What we have found in that process is they drop their expectations across the board mm -hmm. of, of they're not asking those interview questions. They're not doing star. They're going into it with, we'll hire them anyway. And maybe you will, but continue to ask those questions because what you're doing there is you're setting the bar high, letting them know what's important to you, letting them know that you're taking this seriously, letting them know that they need to do more than just show up. And you may still decide to hire them, but I would rather have somebody be below my expectations if my expectations are here than below my expectations if they're here. <laughs> and then it sends a message of, um, they need me so badly that all I need to do is show up. So yeah. there's your bar. Or they need me so badly, I don't even know if I need to show up. <laughs> Where if you if you continue on the questions and the process and you hold tight to that, even in this labor market, and keep those expectations high, you'll get a better end result. Yeah, that's great advice. Yeah, I've, I've legitimately found myself like, no, I wouldn't say we've like completely compromised, but we have definitely, you know, almost talked people in. We've literally had people, we have like a company texting line and we've literally had people tell us like, um, they'll set up an interview and they'll be like, Hey, I'm not sure if I can make it. What's the job pay? I mean, like we've had the most yeah. insane and I'm like, uh, you know, thinking about what to respond. And I'm like, what are we doing here? <laughs> you know, it's, it's such wrong. a crazy, crazy time right now. But yeah. I mean, it's, it's very competitive. It seems like. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think that you, you, you know, I appreciate one of the things that you said a little while ago of that. It's, it's cyclical. We know that we know that these things are cyclical. We're in a pretty rough spot right now, especially compared to just 18 months ago. It's almost like whiplash yeah. where it was so <laughs> much easier to find great candidates and so much easier with the supply of great candidates too, that right now we just had such a significant change so quickly that our systems haven't quite responded to it. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you guys, and y'all might have no idea. And again, this kind of goes almost to a legal type question, but I feel like y'all would be um, educated enough on it to, to speak to it. Let's say obviously in like a, a restaurant or something like that, I know that that's off the table or, or in a lot of the things you guys do manufacturing or ag or anything like that, that would be, this would be different, but let's say like you have a marketing company or you have, you know, something like you guys have like, um, that you can do a lot of things virtually or it's project based or, uh, accounting, you know, or something like that. How do you feel about, you know, maybe 1099 employees versus W2 or, or whatever you would call it, W4, you know, how do you, how do you yeah. feel about that? Do you think that that is a strain on a relationship in any way? Do you think it's a great, you know, idea for both parties or, you know, speak mm -hmm. and speak to both sides, like the employee side or the employee your side? Yeah, the so we do we have we have a course that we teach um, through small business administration up here in the Twin Cities. And, and that is one area that we, we speak to, um, because in a lot of cases, especially when you're first starting to expand, it's a lot easier to think about, you know, what are my 1099 options? Can I just hire on the contractors? And so getting really clear about what the role, what, and, and even the, the level of decision-making and the types of responsibilities that that person would have. So think about the role, not the person. So especially if you already have people in mind, think about the role, not the person. And the, the good thing is, well, for better or for worse, um, the IRS actually uh, has developed some very fairly clear um, guidance on whether or not an employee or a person should be considered or could be considered a 1099 or a W-2 if you're if you haven't crossed too many of these tests. So Kristen, do you want to even speak a little bit more to kind of what's what's captured in there? Mm -hmm. They actually have a checklist, 20 questions. Yeah. I've actually seen that. Yeah. I know it's and it's helpful. And it's a yeah. little bit, I think some business owners find it disappointing because they are very clear and very strict and they, yeah. look about it, they look at it in a couple of ways. One way is how much control do you have over the person's work? Are you dictating their hours? Are you providing them tools? Are you telling them what they can and can't do? Um, 
And then some of it is about the relationship, like how much of their income are you, are you giving them, right? right? Are they supporting other businesses so that you're one of, you know, five businesses that they're supporting, or are you the only person that they're working for and it's 40 hours a week? Mm-hmm. Um, so there really is a lot of information about what you can and can't do. And I would say 1099 versus when we, when we have worked with small businesses, the question about whether or not somebody can be 1099 or W2 is one that comes up a lot. And again, there are resources that help you. We are not lawyers. We love lawyers. If you have a question about it, call the lawyer, call a lawyer. But if you go to the IRS website and, and look for the 20 questions, a lot of information is there. The other one that we see a lot from small business owners is whether or not employees should be exempt or non-exempt. As small business, uh, as small businesses, small business owners, in many cases, they want to they want employees to be exempt because they want that flexibility. The flexibility is good for the employee too, and and the law is very clear about what makes an exempt or non-exempt employee as well. So I would say those are two areas that we get questions about a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, and meaning, I was going to say exempt meaning um, not eligible for overtime salary versus not, yeah. Or, or salary mm-hmm. type of deal. Yeah. yeah. And I want to hold your feet to the fire a little bit more on that, Kristen. 1099 or W2, let's say that they, let's say that they go through that and they think mm-hmm. that they can fit a 1099. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there's a, what would you say would be better for the employer or the employee? Do you think that there's a, something that's better or worse? Before, Kristen, as you think about that, so because we, I'll say to Steve, so we we take our own medicine. So we've got even on our team, we have a couple of 1099s. Um, we have contractors that that we partner with. Okay. Um, the role that they play on our team is not their only source of income, right? That they they own their own business and and we are a client of theirs. Um, and so they have very defined roles that they play and in, in certain levels of information that um, that they're privy to or not. And then we also have a W-2s as well. And that's been interesting in just building building a team and wanting to have that team feel across the board while also respecting those boundaries between 1099 and W-2s. Sure. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts, Kristen? I, um, and so I'm going to, I'm going to hesitate, give you an answer and then explain why. (laughs) Um, I think it depends on, on then what works best for the person Mm -hmm. and each of those individuals, assuming this is assuming that the, the 20 point checklist does clear it to be sure. My yeah. guess is the 20 point checklist most of the time, unless like Aaron described of how, how we have um, independent contractors and 1099 employees, they have their own business. It's very clear. They have their own business. We're one of a few and that's the scope they have versus they are only working for 90% us. of the time. That checklist is going to direct you one way or the other. Yeah. Yes. I agree with that. Yeah. So, so there isn't a lot of, li- of, wiggle room beyond that you politician kristen you skated right around that perfectly (laughs) (laughs) when you think about it and it's a hard it's to me why that makes that so hard to answer too is so the irs put it in place that means that there are two things that are going on and and one of the things that has happened is that 1099 employees historically in some cases have been playing similar roles to employees and 1099s weren't getting the benefits. They weren't getting retirement. They weren't getting medical. They weren't getting PTO. They weren't getting all of this, the same benefits as full-time employees doing the exact same work. Yeah. Right. right? And that's that's not equitable. Sure. There, I felt like that was a very politician word. Oh, my man, bad. that was, that was <laughs> disgusting. Kristen, that's what that was. <laughs> um, okay. Let's talk about um, keeping people. So let's say you hired somebody, you got Mm -hmm. past all this, you didn't get sued in the interview, you finally hired somebody. How do you keep people? Kristen, you talked a little bit about in the the pre-questions about coaching and and things like Mm -hmm. that. Do you think that, you know, coaching has always felt like something that an employer gets 
gets, you know, benefit out of. Do you think that um, things like that, um, you know, trainings and coachings and things like that, do you think that that's also something that can um, keep employees engaged and keep them um, retained, I guess you could say? Number one thing. I would put that as the number one thing. One of, um, we reference a study a lot in one of our favorite book, it's books, it's called The Nine Lies About Work. And they really focus on eight factors of engagement. And, and these eight factors are disproportionately present in highly engaged teams. Highly engaged teams are the teams that are bringing it, right? Bringing 110%, going above and beyond. They're the employees that you want to clone, as Aaron mentioned earlier. These eight things are disproportionately present in those engaged teams. And as we've talked about, as we've gone through a number of, of different leadership development programs, and we talk about this with our participants, all eight can be impacted in how you coach employees, how you're providing feedback employees. Wow. And of those eight, none of them are pay, comp, benefits, any of that. And they can all be impacted by how well you're coaching and giving feedback to your employees. And I know Aaron feels as passionately about that as I do. Yeah. I mean, when we first start working with clients, um, one of the f questions that we ask across the board, so again, similar interview questions, right? Because you always get very interesting data then. Um, one of the key questions we ask is, how do you know you're doing well? And we just ask it like that. And over to, the last several is, years... This is when you're talking to employees, not the employer, right? Mm -hmm. This okay. is when we're talking okay. with employees. This could be senior level employees. This could be supervisors. This could be other... Uh, you know, highly engaged employees. And we tend to get one of three answers. Okay. We get the awkward chuckle slash no answer. The <laughs> <laughs> we get the sarcastic, they haven't fired me yet answer. And then we get the very hesitant. <laughs> I, I, I mean, no news is good news. So I, I guess I'm doing okay. And not making that connection for I'm how... like nervous laughing because I'm probably in one of those boats <laughs> and I'm like, ah. And then, I, right? and then as you're talking, I'm like, dude, they interviewed my employees. So now I'm like freaking out. I'm like, what did they say? So anyways, go on. Sorry. Well, and there's, it's, it's one of those things where there it's, it's right there in front of us. Right. But sometimes it's hard to see the forest for the trees yeah. that sometimes we see the connection between what that person is doing every day, but it's, but that connection might not be as obvious to someone else. And so being able to just make that connection around here's, Here's how, here's how the work that you do every day impacts the business. And here's why it's important. And here's, here's what success looks like for you. What do you think success looks like? What's important for you to feel like you've been, um, you've had meaningful work. Um, and all of those types of questions and dialogues, they take very little time, as long as you're willing to listen for a little bit. And they're the things that are going to keep people with you and keep them away it's from looking so at the, the guy down the road. Is it takes 10 minutes, but it's just it one takes of those 10 things minutes. you're like. Yeah. And you will be amazed at what people share with you when you ask and when you talk with them <laughs> about it. I think because that's, I, I think that might be one of the problems though, is you're like, well, they might complain, you know, how, how are things, you know, at, at least for me, there's been times where I'm like, if I sit them down, they're going to say, this is a problem or this is a problem. I think that's sometimes I've, I've been, um, I'm guilty of that before is I don't want to fix something right now, you know, and, and that's one of the things in full transparency. Um, so yeah, I, I do think that's a problem as well. Well, and that is that is an element, right? Is understanding what what could be an obstacle for an employee. That's an element. Coaching is also helping them understand the types of things that you want to see them repeat and why they're why it's important. So, Steve, you know, when you did X, Y, or Z, here's the impact I saw that that had on some customers or on some other team members. I really appreciate you doing that. Thank you keep it up. Like that's a great example of what I want to see more of. And, and just continuing to come back, you might feel like a broken record. You're not a broken record, it, but coming back and tying that back to people is so meaningful. And it doesn't have to be a big kumbaya every time or no. long, yeah, three hours sit down. Yeah. No. Um, so any real quickly, any crazy stories that you guys have of like, <laughs> We went into this. I mean, I just want to know, like, air some dirty laundry of oh, somebody no. that you went in somewhere. They got like six lawsuits going. 
They've got all this, you know, all these problems. Every employee said they hated working there. Like, I just want to know, like, tell me a quick story or two. Mm. Obviously, like, leave the names out. I don't even care. Like, I just want to know, like, I want to know somebody's real screw up. I will preface this with I've been in HR 20 plus years. I'm not going to tell you how much over 20. It's just going to be 20 with a plus sign. (laughs) Yeah, be careful. 20 plus years. (laughs) And I still to this day cannot watch The Office. And everybody <laughs> talks about The Office. And I still to this day can't watch it. And at the time I was like, I'm in HR. Like, I can't watch this. And people would say, but this is this is so far beyond what you would see in a normal office that it's not what you do. And I was like, mm-mm, no, <laughs> this is the stuff we deal with every day. And it's still too close to home because you, you, you can't make this stuff up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I won't go into a whole lot of detail for obvious reasons, but I remember in one of, you know, earlier in my career, um, I, we had just gotten to a point where we had enough information. The decision had been made to, to um, let a supervisor go. And that supervisor had been there for a long time. And when the leader and myself were communicating it to employees, the employees of their team, people started clapping. And then they got into a line on the way out of the conference room to shake our hands. And it was the weirdest situation because this person had been there a long time. And the things that and I because I've got a word of caution with this afterward. The things that came out of the woodwork after that around what people had been putting up with was it would just make you sick. And I say that as a caution because there's always something when you finally make a tough decision as a leader, when you finally do that, the things that people so one it does so much good to your organization to make those tough decisions. And you will find out so many things that were going on behind the woodwork that you had no idea about because people were not quite comfortable or confident or courageous enough to bring it it forward for you to be able to act on it. So be listening to those clues and to those things that are happening. I don't know if this is is like political. That was a great story, by the way. I appreciate you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> stepping up right there. Uh, so but weird. I don't know if this is like politically correct or not, but you know, when we have an employee that's crossed multiple, you know, write-ups and you know, all of the, the typical things um, I, that's, that's something that I always ask, you know, the managers or, or a leader or whatever that's in a decision-making position is and they're like, I don't know, like they've done enough to screw up to get fired, but I don't know if I should fire them or not is I always say, will you feel better tomorrow if they're gone? You know, will you feel better next week after you get the schedule (laughs) repaired or whatever it might be? Will you feel better next week? And they're like, yeah. Then I'm like, okay. You know, if they're like, well, I feel bad, blah, blah. I'm like, then let's give them another, you know, or whatever it might be. But I feel like sometimes that gut instinct, like you're talking about of it's a tough decision. But if you ask yourself at the end of the day, I'm going to feel better tomorrow after, (laughs) you know, this is going to be a terrible conversation, but and like assuming that line. you've you've taken the time to get the information along the way to that yeah. you've okay i feel like i've asked the same question or I've, I've i've given this person an opportunity to bring things forward and i i have legit listened i've legit um worked with them and given them feedback so that they know where they stand right. no, they would it not makes be it makes your work so much easier yeah yeah, yeah i think that's one of our good. favorite one of our favorite quotes is culture is not what you say it's what you allow that's and it's very good. culture is defined by what you choose to walk by as a leader. Yeah. Um, and that to me is powerful because mm-hmm. in addition to will that leader feel better? What is that employee doing that's impacting everybody else? And what is it doing to morale? Because if you can say that you want this, but as you start to allow and choose to walk by some of these behaviors, because you don't have time or because it's going to be a hard conversation and all of the very valid reasons, right? Your culture is going down with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then your good people so that you wanted to retain, they're going to leave because they're like, Fuck. that's what finally got me off the, <laughs> off the, yeah. you know, whatever you want to call it, but off the fence, I guess is, 
is I was like, I don't want to lose these people. <laughs> if this guy can't show up yes. on time, it's not that big of a deal to me, but it's crushing their, you know, everybody else or oh, whatever yes. it might be. Because um, sometimes such little things, but you don't want to start screwing up your A players. That's where I draw the line. It's like, yeah. if you start messing up the rest of the A players, that's where you got to go. <laughs> Yes. yes. Well, and if you're willing to to make that decision that your A players are going to step up to support you, even if that means that there's a little bit of a hole for a period of time, right? Because yeah, you, you're not going to put up with it as a leader. Yeah, that's a great point. I want to ask one final question. Um, okay. I've started to try to ask this at the end of every interview. Um, if you had to give one piece of advice to someone that owns a business or is a leader in a business that is feeling plateaued, um, or is feeling maybe they're just starting out and they don't know, you know, what direction to go or how to improve their business. What would you, what advice would you give them to better their business? Do you want to start Kristen? Yeah. Hands down, get a coach, find a coach. Um, we have done that multiple times in our business. Aaron does a great job of being aware of of resources and tools that are in the industry. Um, And we have coaches that we work with that support us in different ways. Some coaches look at, you know, help more with mindset. Some are more on process. Some are on marketing. So whatever your needs are, there are coaches out there to support you. But every time, and I think, Erin, push back if, if you're remembering it differently, but every time we have invested in a coach, it has been a hard decision, right? Do we do you know can we really invest is this the time to invest but every single time we have gotten a coach and we've swallowed that and made that decision we have seen an impact on our business mm-hmm. yeah i would i would agree i mean there's been some times where it's almost made us a little bit sick like are you mm-hmm. sure that this is a good decision it also puts our feet to the fire a bit financially like, is that kind of what and, you're saying like best decision yeah where it's like it's a small business and at that point it was just the two of us and thinking okay um is you know, silly? do we think that this is a smart use <laughs> use of our money? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's held our feet to the fire around. Okay, so we're going to put start the start the timer right now for how quickly we want to see this ROI pay back. So how quickly do we need to see this back in new clients and in new work? Um, and it has it has pushed us well beyond our our comfort zone every single time. Um, and I think that that when you have that kind of skin in the game and your own financial skin in the game too, um, you've got no choice but to be successful. And how to do figure you know, it out. how do you know what kind of, co- like, how do like, do you just know, mm-hmm. like, this is probably a weakness of mine or, I mean, have y'all just gone off of your gut instinct or, or have you decided what kind of coach to get? Yeah. Our, the first coach that we work with worked primarily with women business, uh, women business owners that were in service for service based businesses Mm -hmm. and really liked the program that she had and the team that she had around her. And from there, we were able to see where there were certain gaps within our own business that we wanted to go in deeper with other coaches. And so one was in particular working with um, a consultant coach, a coach that works primarily with consultancies like ours. (laughs) Um, And then another that um, works a lot with sales. And because that was an area where we were both quite uncomfortable. And we said, you know, we want to let's go through this, this smaller program, maybe a a short course or something to see if we if we get along with them, if we like their style, we like their approach. Yeah. And then then see if worthwhile if if we're willing to go there. And if they we feel as though they're going to challenge us appropriately. How did you find them just word of mouth or? (laughs) I Apparently, I'm a, I am really a good hook for somebody in Facebook. Uh, oh, ads. they cookied you to death, huh? My my first coach that we found was through a Facebook ad. The other coach that we work with, even to this day, I had heard through a podcast for a couple of years. Um, and then at the beginning of the, of the pandemic, we had reached out to him. And then the other coach we worked with, um, I had heard her speak. And knew that she had a lot of emphasis on the sales side of things. And when she had a sales camp and sales program that came up, she said, hey, I want to join that. And and let's go through this two or three day program and see if it's something that we want to do longer term. And and the benefit of the coaches is not just the coach themselves. That's a key part of it. Every coaching program that we've been a part of, we've been a part of a group. 
so mm-hmm. that you know, so it's not just one-on-one with the coach. We've been with a group. So this first coaching program with service-based women who run service-based businesses, mm-hmm. we are still connected to that network. And I think we work with three or four. Three. One, one of them was a financial person. So we work with her. One was marketing and does our website. We work with her. Mm-hmm. Um, one is our virtual assistant, right? So we've continued to really utilize that network, which was in place. And even with some of the uh, coaches that we're with now, we're connecting with other people that are similar to us. So you have this whole other group that's supporting you as you're going along with it. So it's not the relationship yeah. with the coach is obviously important and getting that one-on-one feedback based on where you are, but there is so much more value when you get that group coaching, when you're hearing what other people are going through at the same time, when you're hearing what they've gone through, what they've tried, what what worked and what hasn't, and then getting connected to their networks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's broadening all of that, which has been fabulous. And that's just something you can't, it's so hard, I think, for business people like you guys had mentioned at the beginning is you're like, well, what's the ROI of this? Well, it's hard to put that into, you know, yeah. and I think that's what, there's so much of the the business that you just have to go off of your gut instinct. And so mm-hmm. that was super yeah, outside and for us the it was. Yeah, it was how quickly can we make back what we're investing? Yeah. And we've always been make we've been able to make it back very quickly. Mm-hmm. In a month or two. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, I thank you guys so much for for being on. I know we gotta we gotta wrap it up and uh I just wanna wanna thank you guys for, for everything. Any final thoughts that awesome. you guys can, can think of? Oh, this was so much fun. I I appreciate the audience that you're reaching out to and supporting and just love what, what you're building and can see so much value in this. Mm-hmm. It's one of the things that we found when we left corporate jobs and started a small business of how tight knit the small business community is and how it truly is about collaboration. It's mm-hmm. How can we support each other? There's enough to go around. What can we do better? That almost every conversation that we have with other entrepreneurs or small business owners has been both of us saying, what can we do to support you? That you didn't, that, or at least I did not feel as deeply in a larger, a larger business that has been, it's amazing to feel. Yeah. It's definitely a a tight knit, tight knit group. Mm -hmm. I appreciate you guys so much. Yes, you too. Thank you. Hey, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Better Business Podcast with me, your host, Steve Cook. You know, starting or growing a business is hard work. So I hope that today's advice made it just a little bit easier for you. We'll be sharing more about this exact topic all this week on my social platforms. You can find me on Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok, or if you would like to get a a personalized blog post from me on this topic, you can join my email list and I will send you an email once a week. You can check the show notes to subscribe to that or find me on my website, whatever's easier for you. Now get out there and go grow a better business with this advice from today's Real Pros. Thank you for listening.